Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Elkanian and Dennis Dick. On today's show, it is just a buy everything kind of market. Buy everything except for June oil, that is. So we'll talk about just the relentless rally in this market, uh, why it's happening and what it means going forward here. We've got earnings uh, as well, a lot of earnings, both uh, this morning and reporting after the close today. But it really is just going to be the theme of the show is just buy everything until uh, until proven wrong otherwise. But uh, yeah, a lot of uh, stocks up, not a lot of stocks uh, on my down filters this morning. Our guest today, Jonathan Corpina, Senior Managing Partner at, at Meridian Equity Partners. He will join us at 8.35 to talk about this rally and also talk about the the uh, the uh, closing and balances trade and why that hasn't worked as well as seemingly the past couple of days or weeks. Uh, I'll throw it to Joel now. Joel, give us a quick recap of what's happened here in the overnight session. I'll buy the dippers around again in full force, Spencer. Uh, we had a close uh, right near the high close of the move, 28.69. We got a little dip overnight to 28.51, and they turned it around on a dime. Pre-market high stands at 29.09.50, and uh, jogging my memory here, on May 9th, you had a high of 2907 and then I think on that Friday before, I see a high up like in the 3,000 handle. That might have been the day. I can't remember the day where the Fed first came out and they goosed the market and then it gave it all back. So 29.07 and a quarter. Uh, that's the highest number I have on my sheet today, folks. The previous day's close was 29.53.75. Uh, crude, we're done with the June. We're only looking at the July because June doesn't mean anything. Uh, July contract trading up 28 cents at 18.34. Gold quiet as of late, uh, down 30 cents, but you went down to 17.06. You're flat on the session to 17.23.80. Silver slightly in the red, uh, down 1.1 cents at 15.33. Bitcoin that's up 35 dollars at 7,820. Uh, Triple D, let's just pick up on that conversation wow. we had on the pre pre market yeah. show. I mean, okay, so let me outline the bull scenario. I outlined it yesterday when I said I think we could go to 3,000. I still think we're going to 3,000. I think we're getting there sooner than later. Here, Here's the bull, the bull case, um, and it's fairly simple. I mean, if you think about it, the market wants us to reopen. Well, that's what we're slowly doing. That's what we're starting to do. Um, we're ignoring all bad news. I mean, our earnings have been terrible. They're buying stocks on bad earnings reports, Spinner pointing out. 
hog this morning. The report's terrible. You knew it was going to be terrible. You know, okay, well, it wasn't that bad, I guess. You know, they did, I'm just looking, they did beat, but, you know, the guidance going ahead, they withdraw it. Caterpillar's uh, report, not good. You know, we're just quickly going through a couple of these reports. We'd come back and look at them in detail in a minute, but I'm just outlining the bull case here. Caterpillar, $1.60 versus $1.69, missed. $10.6 billion versus $10.92 billion, missed. Withdraw guidance. I mean, in normal markets, the stocks get killed on this kind of stuff. This is not normal markets. The markets are have priced in so much bad news. At least, you know, and you can say, well, they, no, they haven't. Well, they did at one time, but now the market is comfortable. We're comfortable with 2,000 deaths a day. We're comfortable with oil going negative. We're comfortable with all of these things. And, you know, if the market's not going to go down on bad earnings reports, it's not going to go down on when oil goes negative. And I mean, oil stocks don't even go down with oil anymore. And it's not going to go down, you know, when we have, you know, COVID still running rampant here. It's probably not going to go down. You know, I, I don't see the catalyst to bring us down here in the next few weeks. I do think we are not out of this COVID. I am keeping a lot of cash in my long-term portfolio. So I, I do think we're going to have some trouble. But think about the next six to eight weeks. Think about the news flow. Well, we're reopening. That's what they want. We have less cases of COVID probably coming because we have flattened the curve. So just because we reopen in Georgia doesn't mean all of a sudden the next day they're going to get new cases. There's a lag there. And it's probably going to take a few weeks before you start to see cases start to go up again. I mean, the testing isn't even there. The testing capacity is not even there to even be on top of it. So you could see the potential where you could probably get four, five, six weeks that the market could have a pretty good lift here thinking, hey, we're looking good. And then just think of the positives of, you know, there's a lot of companies working on vaccines. Any positive news for a vaccine, you know, any positive news for a therapy. We saw a thousand point rally off a Gilead drug that we don't even know if it works. So you're going to have more positive news like that coming too. Um, it's hard to really find the bare thesis in the short run. In the long run, we're still closed. In the long run, you're going to see a lot of corporate bankruptcies still coming here. In the long run, we still have serious problems. Don't kid yourself. But as a trader, if you are short this market, I think you are early and you are very early. And it's hard. You know, We were at the battle between the bulls and the bears for two weeks. We did. Um, we at the 50% retrace. Yep. Two weeks we battled there. We are, re we are now resolving ourselves to the upside. And there is room to the upside. And believe me, there's room above 3,000 too. There's really room, if you really want to get ugly for the bears, to 313 spy. And you think about how many people are holding too much cash. I'm holding too much cash in my long-term portfolio. Nothing to do with my trading. My trading account is biased long right now. But my long-term portfolio, I've said all along, you know, I have put more stocks to work. And as stocks continue to dip, I keep buying more stocks because I can kind of read, you know, the, read that, hey, this bear case is not working here right now. Does that mean we're not going to eventually tank again? I think we do eventually tank again. But I think that that tank could be a long ways away. And then you think, you know, okay, we go six to eight weeks, we could be going into summer. And summer could help this buck because people are outside. They're not going to be, you know, doing as much. So you could really see a scenario where it doesn't get really ugly until the fall again. And that's a long ways away. So I think if you're short in stocks here, I think you're on the wrong side of the trade. All right. Well, I mean, all you need to do is, you know, look at your P&L and, uh, and look at the market. Uh, mixed bag of earnings today, some really good, some really uh, not so good. I know a lot of companies withdrew guidance, but uh, let's start out with uh, one that was after the close. It's trading up $15.80 at 146.72. That would be F5 Networks. Huge move. Yeah. 
Did this get uh, pumped by Kramer? I feel like it may have, uh, or maybe I dreamt that. I'm well, not he's, sure. Well, Kramer's been pumping everything. Okay. Uh, I mean, he well, is on full pump mode. He came out last night. Did you watch Mad Money? He came out with this COVID, um, basically index, and he had 110 stocks in there. 110 stocks. You know what? I was looking at those stocks. I was like, "That's pretty good stocks he's put in there." You know, and he's he's outlined it all. So good job, Jim Kramer, on that. F5, I don't believe was in there. I'm not sure if F5 was in there or not. He listed uh, so many I, stocks. I, I, I may have remember. dreamt it. I don't remember. I mean, in, in any regard, it's the earnings that are moving this. And look at what this stock has done. I mean, there is stocks that have come back so far. Valuation was always attractive for F5 networks. I had it one time. Um, I should have probably rebought it. Um, it's obviously its valuation is actually on. P multiples been fairly cheap, uh, but it got killed. It got killed with everything else back in March. Everybody throwing everything out. You know when we got down to seventy nine, seventy eight. Well, you know what? We almost got a double. We're almost doubled since then. That's the problem with some of these stocks. You know, and I'm not looking so much that I want to chase stocks at all time highs and put on my long term portfolio. But trading is all about momentum, and the momentum is to the upside right now. So you've got to take your investing in fundamental hat and throw it in the garbage, like I said right now, because if you if you think of this market from a logical perspective you're going to want to sell everything. Because really, when you think about it, we're locked up. You know, the earnings are terrible. Oil's going negative. There's a lot of things to worry about. The market has been climbing those walls of worry. You know, I was worried about a lot of this stuff for a long time too. I still am. And that's why I still am going to stick with a lot of cash in my long-term portfolio because I do think I'm going to get another shot. And I, not even that. I, I, I'm getting shots every day. I mean, I'm, I bought Target on the pullback. You've got to use these opportunities on the individual stocks to buy pull, the pullbacks. Maybe UPS today. Maybe it's a stock that we want to look at on the pullback here. It's down $3.5. Yes, the earnings weren't good. Yes, they're suspending the buybacks, I believe. Yes, they said a lot of bad stuff, but this market's been buying the dips on everything. UPS delivers a lot of packages still, not going away. Um, it's, it's not one of those stocks I was like, oh, I'd love to have in my portfolio, but it, it, it's, it, the thought process is there that a, the dip probably gets bought. I don't know if I'm going to participate in this one. I wanted to have Target in my long-term portfolio. Um, I'm picking more on the stocks that I want to have in my long-term portfolio, but it's, it's a market where they're just buying dips because you know what? Too many people have too much cash. So that was, a, that was a pretty good tangent. You went from F5 to UPS to Target. Well, who cares about F5? Let's be honest here. <laughs> I care about F5 networks. Chat. Does anybody really care about F5 Networks? I'm taking us no, back. I, 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 no, I just want to say props to F5 Networks because they gave guidance, which not everyone's doing. So good. For, thank you for them. Uh, to them, they gave some Q3 EPS guidance and some sales guidance yesterday. So props to F5 Networks. Their earnings were earnings are good, but they gave guidance. And let's not. I feel like we're we're glossing over the fact that uh, or Dennis, you kind of ended that. Suspending guidance is is never a good thing, and everybody's doing it. But I it, mean, it, they, why not? They, they don't they can. For it. They can. Yeah. Right. Why not? You got to no, pass I, on it. Why not? I, I know. I'm just saying it, it, it just it just goes to show that 20% un, unemployment doesn't matter. Suspending guidance for the year does. Suspending your dividends, spending your buyback, whatever. Whatever. So what do you do now if uh, there's a very real – Dennis, you made a good case here that we could spend the next couple of weeks or months going higher. Yeah. You don't short you know, stocks. If, if, you know, I've got orders sitting out there that, that, that I missed that, you know, buy a couple dollars here and there. And yeah. I guess I'm just SOL. Well, you know, you're not. So again, here I just outlined a big bold scenario, but I'm still sitting with what I say, like 65% cash in my long-term portfolio. I'm still sitting with some pretty good cash. I'm going to try to get some more of that to work, but I don't think we're out of the woods by far on this COVID thing. I don't think it's going away. I do believe there's going to be issues when we come back. So, you know, if you're a long-term investor, you think about the next 20 years. 
I think we're going to have more issues coming up. So I'm not scared that I won't get the stock, you know, that we're not eventually going to have some type of fall off COVID again. COVID is not gone. And maybe you have falls even, you know, and we've had, you know, little scares. Um, the one case, the one thing, the only way I can see the bulls really getting derailed in a hurry, like before this five to six weeks, like I think the bull market eventually gets derailed because I think the reinfection rate is going to start to go back up when we start to reopen. But I think that's six to eight weeks away. That's why I'm saying in the short run, I think we got a pretty good run. The one case where I could see the bull market immediately getting derailed, again, I outlined most of this yesterday, is in the case where people start getting reinfected. Yep. Major names that we think are okay, all of a sudden are sick again, like a Tom Hanks, like a Kevin Durant, like people who really never got sick, like Chris Como, like people who really, you know, obviously Chris was pretty sick, but, you know, he's getting better. If those people start to get sick again, that's a whole different can of worms and that will spook the hell out of the market and be like, whoa, we did not price anything in for reinfection. So the market is not pricing in reinfection. I do believe reinfection is going to occur. Sorry to say, I do believe it's going to happen because I know these coronaviruses, you know, are difficult. They, they can, you know, some people are saying there's potentially seven different strains of COVID out there. I don't know if any of that is true. I don't know if anybody knows that is true, but I don't think that just because you have an antibody necessarily means you cannot get COVID again. And I don't think it's like the measles where all of a sudden you get the measles shot and it goes away. These coronaviruses from everything I read are very difficult to vaccinate because they're not stable either. So that's, you know, the wild card if you're just buying stocks. Because if all of a sudden we get news overnight that Tom Hanks got re- I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying yeah, Tom Hanks. Yeah, you're just saying in general. I know. A scenario, scenario that a major celebrity, Pink had it, you know, a major celebrity. All of a the sudden, major, is major sick again. celebrity, a major, major celebrity. celebrity, like on the not on the smaller, but on the uh, like a Kevin Durant, Tom Hanks, Pink. One of those people all of a sudden gets sick from it again. Everybody's going to be spooked. The market fall two thousand. Boris Johnson, Boris Johnson. Any, yeah, exactly. Anybody big name, you know, uh, that that all of a sudden, you know, that we think is fully recovered and has got through it. The market is not priced in that. So that is a major risk to the bull thesis, but. I don't see that happening, you know, anytime soon. I hope it doesn't happen anytime soon. So I've outlined a pretty bullish scenario here that I think there's room to 3,000 and maybe a little bit above. I don't think we're going all-time highs because I don't think we're out of the woods and there's a lot of things to still consider here. Um, I do believe there's going to be some corporate bankruptcies coming, especially from the oil patch. There could be a lot of other issues as well if people are still spooked and not willing to go out. But with that being said, if you're short in stocks, and this is what I've learned in my 20-year trading career, when you're, when, you, when, you're, when you're putting on a trade and you start losing money, you're on the wrong side of the trade. <laughs> and shorts have been losing money for the last three, four weeks here as they've been trying to say, this is just terrible. And you know, you think about it, you think about the fundamentals and the logic and you're like, how in the hell can the market be rallying when we have record unemployment rate, when we have oil going negative, when we have people, 2000 people dying a day, how the hell can the market be going up? It's climbing that COVID wall of worry something fierce and it is punishing punishing the shorts but also punishing the people with too much cash and every time we get a pullback the shorts scramble for cover and every time we get a pullback the people who have too much cash are trying to put it to work and that's me all right uh, uh one comment and then just 
finishing up with FFIV, you hit 149 in the pre-market. Uh, there's a monthly high at 149.50. So if you're looking for more meat on the bone, nice round number like 150, they could easily pop it above that. And uh, so maybe use that as a target. Uh, also, I think Sal pointed out in the chat, what do you have uh, going on in November uh, that uh, – that uh, you kind of want to keep the markets perky for, right? You well, got the election. The, you got the election. We didn't even so talk about the Fed. Feds, you know, if the stock market starts tanking, they'll start buying equities. You got the Fed put. I mean, you it's got a the Fed put. You got scenario. the election put. I mean, election. Yeah, they want to keep. There's a lot of reasons why this market's going to continue to be, for a better lack of a better word, manipulated higher. Well, let's let's not also, you know, we talked about you know, what it would take to, to flatten the curve and, and what that could do to, to people's feelings here. And let, let's not underestimate the effect that's having. I mean, the curve is undeniably flattened and uh, if, both for new cases and for, and for deaths. This so, whole rally has been a flatten the curve rally. I tweeted it out. Go look at my Twitter stream. Three weeks ago, I tweeted yeah, this out. Yeah. We were at 240 spy. And that's what we said we wanted to see, and now we're seeing it. So I guess why, why are we, we seeing the flat the curve rally? Why are we surprised? I now guess. we're seeing screw the shorts rally. Like we're screw the market likes to punish the maximum amount of participants. There's a lot of people who are still bearish for logical reasons. It's punishing logic right now. We're back to punishing logic. Market is not trading on logic. It is trading on fear, and the fear is the fear of missing out. That's what it's trading on. So now the question is, what, and we, we, you know, we kind of posed this yesterday, but what about all those people, the record amount of people who uh, sold and went to cash they're last month? They're scrambling to get and back in. They're like, they're, they're screwed right now. They're like, I sold back when we were 220 or 230 spy. I thought the world was imploding. It looked like it was imploding then. You know, and it's funny, these money managers on CNBC, it's sickening to, to a certain extent. You just watch it. Maybe it's selective perception on my part, but it seems like every money manager I sold in January, and we our signals told us to buy in mid-March. I did sell in January. I didn't buy in mid-March. I'll admit it. I didn't <laughs> buy the lows. It was there for two days. Two, three, oh, I guess we were there for a week. But everybody, you know, congratulations to those who really did buy in mid-March. <laughs> I didn't start buying till late March, early April, when I was like, oh, I think that we're not going to retest. You know, when I was buying, was, we were talking about that triple bottom back in the beginning of April when we were like 245, 245, 245. I was like, if you got too much cash, I might have to start putting some of that to work. That's when I bought Microsoft, Activision Blizzard. I was buying stocks that I thought, you know, would be okay even if we went down to retest. Those have worked out very well. I wish I would have went 100% back into the market then. I did not. I, I nibbled. I nibbled and I, I bought about 12 stocks total in the, you know, in the course. Of you the know who told you to buy Microsoft? Who? Who was that? Josh Rasnick. Oh, yeah, it was Josh on the show. We should have had, yeah, Jason's son. It was Josh. Thank you. It was Josh. Peloton, too, I bought then. Peloton worked well, out Well, that well. Peloton's because of me. I've been telling yeah, you Yeah, the Peloton. So you got me talked into that one. I got the Peloton. I actually sold it, and then I rebought it, and I actually really didn't do that well on my sale. But I rebought just around that third. Well, I just, uh, just didn't hear, really. But, I mean, you look at this market, and you think about everybody's positioned on the wrong side. So, Let's squeeze them a little bit for a few weeks because it's going to look rosy here for a few weeks. We're not out of the woods. Don't kid yourself. We're not out of the COVID woods. I don't think the world is going back to normal anytime soon. But with that being said, 
We could screw the shorts. You know what? One thing, and I'm kind of kicking myself. I think I, I don't know if I talked about it with you, Dennis. You know um, how when things are really heating up on the weekend and, uh, you know, obviously the spoos don't open until Sunday at 6 p.m., uh, that uh, that Wall, Wall, weekend Wall Street or whatever. Yeah. Remember that? Is that, and it, does, it, it's, is it working or not really? No, nah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Just they were totally, they've been, I, I've been watching it. Um, but they, what they had, and this was at one point where like, you know, they, they have this thing that says, you know, our clients are, and it was one point where it was like 64% of our clients are short. And I'm like, Oh my God. If that, Oh man. If you ever talk about a fade trade and that was, I'm not sure what it says on the site now, but I was just thinking, Oh man, that was a great contrarian indicator, but uh Spoo's still up uh, 36.75 here at uh, 29.05.75 bouncing around here between like 03 and 08. Yeah. Jonathan Corpina coming on at 835. You want to do a, uh, a uh, not so good earnings report well, or uh, I, I got a couple of requests here first sure and, go. and 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 we could talk the airlines and mike brenton on twitter he wants to talk boeing and we haven't talked boeing for a couple of days and boeing's lack of participation in this rally has always been concerning there is no participation from boeing whatsoever but and the airlines themselves too some of the airlines like aluv are making new lows on the move here again we've been talking about you know ground zero stocks and not that well but you know what even the ground zero stocks like the retail um you know it's the current carnival cruise line some of them were even getting a lift there yesterday and a big lift here this morning we have not seen a lift in the airlines and we have not seen a real lift in boeing here in the last couple of weeks are we due for that that's the question so boeing has a headline out last night spencer israel can go to the pro and read us that headline I, I don't know. I'm so scared to own a stock like this because I think they have so many problems that I don't know if I want to just buy problems. But we saw a huge dash for trash yesterday. Maybe it's inevitable that they're eventually going to buy these stocks too. Uh, can you read us that headline from the pro? Well, they also had their annual meeting yesterday. Yeah, to give us some highlights. Uh, so, so the CEO said, my biggest takeaway was that he said that they, there's a real chance that the airline industry does not return to quote unquote normal for a couple of years. Yeah, it's, it's true. He's right. It's not going to. Is it going to matter? Or are they going to start just buying stocks anyways? I don't know. Well, we always say the market's forward looking. Uh, how much, how far away is it looking? Two years in ahead. I, maybe. Uh, so, but Boeing did say they're resuming their 787 operations uh, at their South Carolina plant uh, on May 3rd or May 4th. So yeah. we're, we're getting that that reopening that we've been uh, that we've been wanting to see here. Uh, and I, I saw a headline this morning that the the big three in Detroit are targeting uh, what, what, what I see. I see. Yeah. I saw mid May for that. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, May 18th. So, you know, it's happening. But to Boeing's point, uh, the, the CEO did, didn't sound overly bullish yesterday. You know what Boeing has to do? They got to find, find something else to make besides airplanes because there's going to be an oversupply of airplanes. There's going to be consolidation in the industry. There's going to be less people flying. I mean, unless they uh, have, you know, oh, there's a bunch of old fleets out there. There's going to be plenty of planes out there available for less people flying. So I see absolutely no reason to own this stock under any circumstances. Where Where's the demand going to be? There's going to be, you know, not all these airlines are going to make it. There are going to be less people flying. There's going to be more planes out there. Who's going to need more planes? And who's going to need new, new planes with, with potential problems? 
Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm hands off on this one. I, I, I'm very torn on it too. My spiny senses say buy it. That's just what the spiny senses. My gut says I cannot stomach that stock. It's like, um, and, and but the spiny senses are saying that this could actually go up. You know, what I'm looking at is General Motors and Ford. They have real problems too. Don't kid yourself. People aren't, you know, their margins are razor thin and there's nobody, you know, not we're, buying, we're, not- we're in a recession. Don't kid yourself. We're in a full recession. People aren't going to buy new cars. Not, not, not enough people. Um, GM and Ford, GM goes yesterday, suspends the dividend. They're in full cash preservation mode here. What's the stock do? It rips higher. And it's up here again. If they're going to buy a car. They're going to buy Ford Tesla. rips higher too. Ford's they're not going to buy a Ford or too. GM. Just everyone's going to be I, I driving Teslas. But I just look at the Ford and GM price action on really, you know, not great news and a real bad overall situation. And I think, why can't Boeing do the same thing? That's why I would not be short Boeing. I would not want to be short. Boeing. No, I'm not saying I would not be. No, shorted. no, I know. Yeah, I, I'm scared. I think I can't stomach it to own it. But I think I think it, I think I wouldn't be surprised at rally. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if we started ripping here one of these days, just because the money managers are scrambling around looking for something that hasn't gone, combing the ditches, looking what, around for something where it hasn't moved. That was my they question. Might eventually start picking on the airlines. The so, Delta's so, right so near that, the lows. That was my question here. The airlines and the cruise liners have not joined the rally. Cruise lines that- started yesterday, and they're continuing here today. That's a tell for the airlines. So RCL is up another two and a half bucks oh, right. this morning. Yes, they got some money. I believe one of them did. I'm losing track of all the headlines that are flying through, but they're all up significantly here. LUV disappointed. The only way LUV was going to go down on this report was if they did some dilution, and that's exactly what they did. <laughs> this is exactly what they did. They're offering another billion dollars in convertible notes. They're also offering 55 million shares or common shares. So full dilution, trying to raise money on their own. Anytime you have dilution the stock usually is going to go down. With that being said, there's money managers here who are under-invested in overall market. They might start picking on the airlines. I'm not going to put them in my long-term portfolio. Would I trade them from the long side? Talk me into it. <laughs> okay. I, I could be talked into this. I'm really on the fence. I, part of me wants to buy the airlines and Boeing just for trades. Part of me wants to do that because I know where my out is. I mean, LUV yep. is making new lows on the move. It's difficult. But if LUV, for whatever possible reason, can close positive today, if it can, I'm not saying it's going to, but if it can, that would be really impressive. That would be a good tell. So if, if LUV could go green on full dilution. Delta trading up here a little bit, but it's been sitting near the lows. We know JetBlue had earnings here this morning too. Um, you can go to AAL. All these things are in the gutter. All these things have not went. All these things are near their March lows or below their March lows. They're, if you're looking for something that hasn't gone, it's the airlines and Boeing. Yeah. I, it's just so bad. So it's so like Logic says to me, stay the hell away. But my spiny senses say money managers are going to start picking on those pretty soon too because they're scrambling for anything. Uh, Boeing, or, I mean, if you want to be talked into the Delta, then I'll just tell you that uh, you made a low of the move at $20. You're just hanging out here. You have strong institution accumulation, uh, not lifting offers, but, you know, being very choosy here between 20 and 21, maybe 20, 21 and a half. And then uh, all of a sudden you're going to be at 15 and they're going to be puking it out and it's going to go to 10 or it's going to catch a bed and you're going to see it at 33, 35, 37. So 
That's uh, that's you have a defi- You have to find out here. We always talk about we want defined risk. And if you're looking at Boeing, I would say the low of the recent move, the April 0120, would be my stop out point. So you're buying it here at 130. But they're, they're very similar to GM yesterday, where they didn't say anything really good, but the stock rallied anyways. So I just think we're at this point where the market wants to rally. Um, and no this mar- the overall market might just, you know, rising tide lifts all ships and maybe a rising tide lifts the planes too. I don't know how that works because they're <laughs> in the air, but maybe, maybe a rising tide li- lifts the planes now too. I, I, I would not want to be short anything. And there's a lot of people who are banking that the airlines are in a world of hurt. So there's probably some people who are short these things right now. Dennis, the, arg- the argument for Boeing or the airlines is you haven't missed it yet. That's Dude, exactly. And think about if you're a money manager sitting with too much cash, you're like, what can I buy? And you, you know, you're not a tech fund. You're like an overall, you know, just a, an, an active money manager. You can buy whatever the hell you want. You might look at these. I mean, look at the hotels. They've come a well, long ways back from the lows. Everything has come a long ways back from the lows. Even Kohl's and Macy's ripping yesterday. You know, retail's been ground zero. Is Kohl's and Macy's stocks I want to put in my long-term portfolio? Hell no. But are they trades right now to the long side? Probably. Scrambling, catching shorts. People are not. People are like scratching their head. How can the market be going higher? That's what the the thought process is here right now. How can the market be going higher? It is. Uh, yeah, the earnings don't really matter much because uh, we know they're going to be bad. So beat or miss, I guess you're just buying it. But there is there is actually one non earnings. What do you got? Big mover. I want to look at Smile Direct Club here this morning. SDC. Uh, this one is up. 30% almost uh, off a, a PR that I guess it's good news, but I, I don't know if it's worth 30%, but it, it, it's good news that they got a patent that gives them an 18 year head start. And they also said they're going to reopen, uh, start to reopen some of their shops. So SDC is uh, rallying huge off of that PR this morning. Look at this chart yesterday. I wish we would have saw this chart yesterday when they were doing the dash for trash. Just sitting there for four days, consolidation station, wanting any piece of good news to just rip the heads off the shorts. And then whatever it is, you know, they just find a headline even. We'll find a way, you know, the silver lining (laughs) in this to just rip the heads off the shorts. And that's exactly what they're doing here today. You see a chart like this, folks, in our chat on any other stock, let us know here right now. I'm looking at the chart yesterday, not with the big candle today, but looking at yesterday's chart. When it's just sitting there for three, four days, consolidation station, we call that itching, itching to go. And obviously now um you know inside just, day yesterday on low inside bio. day that was just a technical sub i didn't look at sdc chart yesterday if i did look at it yesterday i might have been along it right now so i wish i would have saw that chart yesterday trading at the highs of the pre-market session uh got up to seven and a quarter i was looking at the dailies you do have a high there but i think people may be interested if you're looking for more on this uh this is called 750 that's not far away 745 and 769 that's splitting a couple highs from March 9th March 9th and March 10th and then after that opens up to 840 but uh you want to see it clear clear that seven and a half get into the eight handle and when this thing runs it usually runs for a couple days before it stalls out so this is the first day of the move here uh in SDC training at the highs of the pre-market session that's the other thing is like these moves, these big moves like STC today and QTNT and uh, DCPH uh, could linger for, for a couple yeah, of days. So, why not? Yeah. 
I mean, you could see you got people caught here now. I, again, I'm going to just reiterate too, like people, you know, I've given out, I gave the same scenario yesterday. I talked about all this stuff. Rewind the show. I did the same talk yesterday on the bullish scenario when we were 285. Now we're 290. As we continue to go higher, you want a pullback before you're really buying. But, you know, I'm looking at stocks that are pulling back, individual names that are pulling back as those are the ones that I potentially would buy. Am I chasing this buy and buying spy in my long-term portfolio right now? No. But I will buy stocks on pullbacks here that I want to own. So I'm outlining a scenario. Always forget about everything I just said. You're always buying dips and selling rips. For 21 years of my long-term trading career, that is how I've made money. I learned in my first six months, and people ask, I just did an interview um, uh, just, uh, just about the beginning of, of my trading career and things that I learned. What I learned in my first six months of trading, because I did everything wrong in my first six months of trading, I lost money. This back in 1999. I learned when I jump on a moving train, I usually fall under the tracks. And what I mean by that is when something's ripping higher and it's up 10% and I buy it, you know, it goes up three, four, five, 10% in a matter of seconds and I, or a matter of minutes and I want to buy it and I buy it up 10% then I look and I, and I get hit. So what I learned was if I'm bullish, I'm buying dips. If I'm bearish, I'm selling rips. And, you know, in this market, it's paid to do both, buying dips and selling rips. You know what? We're going to get a dip again. We're going to get another dip that's your opportunity to get back in. Think about how many dips we've had in the SPY in the course of the last two weeks. Look at the red candles. There's been some significant dips in there. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard to be a contrarian, but it has worked very well, not only in the last three months. In the last two years, it has worked very well. 2019 was a year of fading moves as well. There was lots of moves to fade. Yes, the last three months, we just ripped higher and we just went. But before that, really from 2018, you know, you can go back and look at the charts there and, and look at SPY. From the beginning of 2018 till, say, October of 2019, we were in a choppy market. We were chopped up. We were out of it for three months because we had the ridiculous rally and then maybe into the first month of the year. But again, we're back into where fading the moves works. Now, again, I've got a bullish scenario, so I'm not selling the rip here today. But, you know, if we get some bad news, something happens, maybe, you know, there's, you know, something that happens. I don't know what the news, the headline's going to be, but there's always something like a headline. That's when I'll use the opportunity to buy the dips because I have feeling going on right now. That could you want to see an interesting chart that someone pointed out? You said yeah. some. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me them. Interactive brokers. Let's go take it out. I like that. I like that. IBKR. Yep. It's, it's, it's kicked up, you know, and obviously, you know, we got back up. It was a nice candle yesterday. You're right in here. They're on this 40 bucks. I don't mind that chart. I mean, it's a little bit, and you know, you got to look what the other brokers have done too, but they've all been taken over, I guess. So it's hard to, <laughs> hard to tell they're trading off the banks. Again, financials too, you Are know, tough. have not performed great. They're not, I'm not in love with the banks because we've got so much bad oil loans. Now, IBKR is not the case. Um, obviously, IBKR is all trading. I know I have an interactive brokers account. I know what they are. Um, I don't mind that chart. I would say you stop out below the lows. So I, I like, uh, there, there's, there's companies I would like better. I just trying to stay right. away from Right, it just got companies. hit off earnings. Well, off. I hit some people got burned on that crew too. That Pedophy, remember, was on CBC. Yeah, yeah. There was some people on his, that, that blew out their accounts probably when crude went negative on that June move, so on that May move. And then you so, found a buyer in the 38 handle four days in a row. I like bit 38. Of, yeah, yep. a little bit of institutional accumulation here. And you got a gap to fill. I mean, it's like you said, this uh, big volume yesterday, too, on the up day. 
Uh, so that bodes well for the stock trading a little bit up in the pre-market, but you're right. This, uh, the financials, they really haven't, haven't lifted like some of the other stocks. Uh, you got our guests lined up there yet, Spencer? I do. Let's bring them on. Jonathan Corpina is a senior managing partner at Meridian Equity Partners, uh, joining us normally from the floor of the NICE, but these past few weeks or few months from his home. Jonathan, good morning. Good morning. Can you guys see me? I'm about to. Oh, there we go. There we go. Start my video. Just want to make sure you can, uh, I had yeah. this set up the right way. Yeah. Uh, have you gotten any word, Jonathan, on when you may be going back to work? Uh, no, no word yet, but had, you know, I've had a lot of productive conversations with management. Um, there was a community call last week and, you know, the message that we're hearing from NYSE is that, you know, clearly they want to do, uh, you know, what's the, the right move and the safest move and make sure that, Everyone is going to be, uh, be you know, healthy coming back. Um, the NYSE has said that they want to open back up as fast as possible, but in a manner in which that's socially acceptable and keeps everybody healthy. Um, so right now, there's no firm date set in sight. Um, you know, what we're using as guidelines is kind of what everyone's using and what everyone sees in the news. We're watching the comments that come out of uh, Governor Cuomo. He's got the stay at home in place until May 15th. Um, if he lifts that, that doesn't mean we go back the next day or if he extends that, that doesn't mean that we're extended for a longer period of time. Um, I think the NYSE is going to use that somewhat as a gauge to see, um, you know, how they should unroll and come back, uh, come back to work. NYSE is considered, you know, an essential business. So as, as soon as it's, um, you know, safe enough for us to come back to work, that's certainly what's going to happen. So in, in my opinion, my, my guess, um, you know, I, I think we're going to be home for, for most of May. There is a large rebalance at the end of May. Uh, the MSCI is the last day of May. Could we be back for that by then? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think many people on the floor and off the floor are hoping for that. Um, but once again, it, it's all a question about you know being safe and getting back to work. You, you throw in all these different components. Most of us who work on the floor come come to New York City through mass transit, right? So whether it's trains, buses, there are boats that come from Jersey, boats that come from Long Island. So I think there's going to have to be some work around with that because um, you know, we want to make sure that you know, everybody who works on the floor is going to be in crowds coming to work. Right. And then I'm sure the exchange is going to put some policies in place as far as testing coming in, whether it's every day or, or, or a certain program for that. If you recall, when we left the floor, they were taking our temperature every day. So I'm, I'm optimistic that we're going to get back. I think if we see some of these national headlines of what's going on in South Carolina, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Georgia, these things are slowly rolling out. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that translates to the Northeast. We're on the line with uh, Jonathan Corpina from Meridian Equity Partners. Uh, I'm not sure if you were listening before you came on at all, but we were just talking about the mentality, mentality of the market and uh, just, you know, the potential optimism here. Um, you're seeing some of the institutional order flow uh, uh, from your post. Well, not your post from your desk, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, is there a little bit panic setting in here that, man, I should have bought the dip and, you know, trying to, you know, find stocks that haven't moved yet? Or is it more, well, I missed I missed some of the winners now, but I'm not going to look back. I'm going to keep going with, uh, you know, with the winners in the market. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. And if I look back on where we were, excuse me, in the beginning of March and how the market traded, um, and, and as the news lines were really snowballing and the market was, was, was it's getting a tremendous amount of pressure on it, you know, that first 10, 
to 15% of our downside when the market turned, I certainly felt panic selling. Um, and and it, was, it was the right move and it was the right sell at the time. As we got down to lower dips, I think from what we've seen is that our customers kind of, you know, waited on the sideline to see if the market was going to take one or two more legs down. And once we hit that bottom, I don't think anybody was convinced that we were bouncing directly back up, but it seems like we have formed that formation. I think at this point right now, we've gotten to a level, which is a very interesting level, because we're, we're at the point where people really need to start deciding where is the next leg? Is it up or is it down? You're not too close to the bottom where you can still hang out down there. And we haven't completely skyrocketed high enough where everyone says, I think I've missed the boat. Um, we're, we're getting to a point where we're right at that, that, that seesaw line and, and investors are going to have to make that decision. From what I'm seeing right now, um, I haven't seen the money really come back in just yet. I think we're still waiting for, and I think some, most people can agree that, you know, this, this V formation that we're talking about, I don't think continues on a, on a straight upward trajectory. Um, you guys are talking about earnings season and, and misses. Yeah, we already know what earnings season uh, is going to look like this, this quarter and probably for the next two, three quarters. And, and CEOs and CFOs are going to have to use the coronavirus as their um, guideline and their somewhat excuse moving forward. So there's somewhat, um, earnings season is somewhat immune to you know, the market at, the, at this point right now. I think what's really going to move our markets is going to be, once again, the, the coronavirus numbers. If our numbers continue to get better, I think investors are going to feel that a soft reopening of our economy in, in some of the um, lesser hit areas and then move to some of the more hot spots is going to help our economy come back. But, you know, interestingly enough, you guys are talking about the airline stocks and, and you know, the amount of you know, immense pressure that's been there and, you know, scooping up these stocks that are, are low priced. But you just think about it, you know, when, when are people going to start traveling again? When are people going to go to restaurants again? When are people going to go to a concert or a theater um, uh, again? When are you going to sleep in a hotel room again? I, I can't envision that anytime soon. Um, I'm hoping I'm wrong and I'm hoping, you know, things certainly change. Um, but, you know, there's so many areas that are out there that, that is unknown and the effects on our overall economy certainly plays into that. Jonathan, I agree with you. And it's hard to be a long-term investor in some of these sectors right now, like restaurants and, you know, travel stocks and the airlines and even the casinos, because yeah. I don't think it's going back to normal anytime soon. But with that being said, there's just so many money managers, I think that, you know, are scrambling around trying to get, you know, money put to work because they think they've missed it. It's like the fear of missing out is bigger than that. So I think in the long run, I think, and I think that's going to be right. I think eventually some of these stocks are really going to struggle. But right. in the short run, could we have that trade continue here where first you have people who are betting on exactly the thesis that you're saying, where, you know, you have probably have people who are short these stocks saying none of this makes any sense. So we might as well squeeze them a little bit. And then you have people who are just like underinvested and looking for a, a home uh, for their cash and anything. And they're looking, you know, maybe some of these airlines, they haven't went up yet. So maybe they yeah. just ignore it all and just yeah, buy know. them anyways. You know, you, you know, you were you were talking about how you've you know, been been trading for 21 years and starting in 1999. I think you know all of us who have had this experience, like like you've had and I've had, um, we we look back to 2008, 2009, and I'm not drawing comparisons as to how we got here and why we got here. But in 2008, 2009, there was massive panic and massive hysteria. People were lining up at banks trying to get their cash out, yep. not knowing if the ATMs were ever going to work. Right, and. And the market and the economy eventually rebounded from there. It took time. It took a lot of programs in place. It took a lot of financial discipline, but we rebounded. And when I say we, I mean our economy. And you look at stocks that were trading, you know, City, City Bank that was trading at $2. 
that you know eventually you know skyrocketed from there. So I think what people are doing is they they are drawing a comparison and a parallel to you know stock prices now and stock prices back in 2008 2009 during that crisis will rebound. How much time will it take? How long is your pain threshold? It took it took years from the 2008 2009 financial crisis. Are we years from our bottom now? Um, I, th I think that's where investors are really looking at these opportunities. And if you're able to wait out years, right? Because we're talking, you know, casinos and airlines and air travel and hotels. If you're talking about years and people can hold out and wait those years, they're, they are going to get back to normal. That, th those sectors are going to get back to normal. And now is the opportunity to get in there. Other people just don't have that pain threshold. They can't sit through three more quarters of air travel being at only at 20%. We did see the TSA numbers pop yesterday to 128 um, uh, travelers going through all TSA, 128,000 going through all TSA programs. So I think that's somewhat of a positive, but very, very far off that 2.2 million uh, travelers that travel every day on an average daily basis. Jonathan, how did you get down to work? Uh, did you take a train or? I, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I'm a train guy. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I like the schedule. I like to, I, I, I like my routine. I, I like sitting on the train and, and listening to podcasts and reading. Um, so pre-market so prep, do you like to listen to pre-market yeah, prep? Absolutely. Okay. You know, some of it I'm in, you know, Grand Central Tunnel, so we lose a lot of uh, cell service there. But, um, you know, that's something that I just kind of like for my routine. That's clearly going to have to change. Um, I, I will have to, once the NYSE reopens, I will be driving in for, for quite a period of time, um, you know, for two reasons. One is, you know, I think it's just going to, with, with less people working in New York City, the commute and the traffic is going to be much less. And, you know, two is, I want to keep myself safe. I want to keep my coworkers safe. And I think driving uh, for me is going to be the best option. What the heck are they going to do on the floor? So what I think they're going to do is kind of like we're, we're seeing in restaurants in Tennessee right now, they're going to take a capacity level, a capacity number and cut it in half or maybe cut it by three quarters. We, we don't know yet, but I can surely see that um, like restaurants that have a, you know, hundred person capacity, are now operating at 50 uh, at, at a 50 person capacity. So on the floor, what I think they will do is, you know, cut that number and say to a firm like Meridian, we've got 16 uh, traders on the floor. They're going to say, John, you know, your, your 16 is now eight or your 16 is 12 or your 16 is six. We don't know what that's going to be. It's certainly not going to be 16 and it will be a number that we're going to be able to you know, manage and, and, and make sure that we, we service our customers appropriately. But they are going to you know, institute social distancing. Our trading desks on the floor are no different than trading desks off the floor from a visual um, and technological aspect. So no one's going to be sitting next to me. Probably it's going to be two or three seats over where someone will be sitting for me. When we go out to the post, are the, are the market makers who normally stand in front of the post, will they be behind the post? Most likely, would there be some lines outside the post that keep us a distance from getting, uh, you know, too close to the post and we can still have maintain our, our, our vocal communications? Right. I think something like that. So I, I think, you know, they're certainly thinking about this. Um, you know, I put my two cents in uh, to the exchange and to management. And I think that we're going to come up with a really good plan that works for everybody. Have they All given right. you any timeline or anything like, you know, where we're looking? Any timeline? Now, you know, I, I think we're still right now in, in our minds, and, and this is me talking, this is an NYSE talking, you know, as a business owner and operator, in my mind, I'm continually watching Governor Cuomo and what his comments are. We've got this six state uh, coalition that seems like they're all kind of moving in the same directions. Keep in mind, we've got workers in New Jersey, Connecticut, New York, and Pennsylvania. So all these, uh, you know, that, that affects all of us. 
Um, so, you know, that, that May 15th date that the stay at home place, uh, stay at home has been in place for, we're going to wait to see what happens there. I, like I said before, like, I think, I think, you know, May is going to be a long month and, and we're, we're not going to spend uh, much time on the floor in May. Is there a chance we get back at the end of May, maybe after uh, Memorial Day? That is a short week. It's a four day week. But yes, that yep. last day of the month is that MSCI. Seems like a good balancing point that we could probably work something in there. But, I, you know, it, it might get pushed out to the first week of we're first week of June, second week of June. And then overall, just keep in mind, end of June, I'm looking far ahead. We've got the big, massive Russell at the end of June. NYSE is going to want to make sure that, you know, facilities, trade ops, uh, traders, floor firms are going to be up and running as best and, and as possible and as full as possible by that date. So it's going to take us time to ramp up to that end of June date. So I think if we start getting going in the beginning of June or the end of May, that'll give us enough time to get to the Russell. Uh, also, Jonathan, I just wanted to ask you, when, you know, we had you on a couple of weeks ago, we were getting some wicked moves at 350 yeah. and you talked about, you know, not as a floor broker, being able to see the imbalances earlier, being able to offset and it, did you put like a Zoom grouper together or something? Because it seems like these uh, these imbalances, which is good, you know, for the market, yeah. it, it either been a fade or been quickly offset. Can you just comment on that, please? Yeah. So just conceptually, you know, at three fifty, the imbalances come out, and that's when the world sees it. Everyone who has their data feed see it at three fifty. In a normal environment, when the New York Stock Exchange is open, floor traders are exclusively get that information starting at two o'clock. So we provide that information from two o'clock all the way up until four o'clock to our clients. So what's happening now is that everybody is seeing it at the same time. So everyone is reacting at the same time. You sometimes get that snowball effect, kind of like when the Fed makes an announcement, the market spikes or the market you know, drops, and then it comes back to where parity is. So at this point, everyone's kind of chasing the same trade at that point. Um, we see the markets up today. I'm looking at my screen now. We've got about 400 million to buy on the opening this morning. That's a no-brainer. We, you know, we, we see what happened overnight and what's coming into today. What's interesting um, is, is that the NYSE now is going to submit a, uh, a rule amendment to the, to the SEC to see if they, would be, uh, if they would approve a rule in which four member firms, uh, member, NYSE member firms, could have access to that information at 3 o'clock as opposed to 3.50 now. So once again, we used to get it at 2.00 as a floor member firm, as an NYSE member firm, we're now getting it at 350. Since we don't have that technology in place, there's a, uh, an appeal to the SEC to see if NYSE member firms like Meridian can get that information at three o'clock. If that occurs, we'll be able to publish that. And we'll be able to disseminate that information, translate that information, provide that to our clients, to, to, to your clients across the world, um, information that's gonna be coming out sooner. So I'm hoping that something like that comes in place uh, in the beginning of the May, no firm rule yet, no firm date yet, but it's a concept that we've been talking about. And I think that's something that, that might be clearly helpful for everybody. All right, we've been on the line with Jonathan Corpina, Senior Managing Partner at Meridian Equity Partners. Jonathan, thank you so much for the time today and be safe out there. Gentlemen, have a great day and I look forward to talking to you from the floor one day. Yes, one day soon we hope. All right. Yes, Thanks, that's Jonathan. true. Thanks a lot, Thanks, John. guys. Have a good day. All right. Uh, so uh, that brings us to eight uh, uh, eight eight fifty one here now. Yep. Um, 
you guys want to go? Uh, let me give you a look at the imbalances. We were yeah. talking about them there. I'll give you the, the the opening ones. Obviously, I can look on an individual individual stock basis here. Um, just highlights. A lot of them are to the buy side, which is to be expected on a day that you're up 40 S and P handles here. Uh, but if I give you some highlights, Coca Cola 220 thousand to buy. Uh, Pepsi, I believe, did report here this morning, so that can impact the Coke movement as well. Pepsi is trading higher. Bank America 281 thousand to buy. AT and T 260 thousand to buy. General Electric 613 thousand to buy. On the sell side, I do see Johnson and Johnson 82 thousand to sell in J and J. I also see Procter and Gamble with a small sell imbalance of 42 thousand shares. I believe it was uh, I do believe Pelt's dumped some stock there last night. Was announced. Uh, just coming across on, on, on the filing from the SEC. Uh, Trian uh, did sell 7.5 million shares. Uh, obviously not yesterday, but it hit the board yesterday. I'm not sure if that was actually, they had sold some before too, um, just a couple of weeks ago. So it looks like Trian's lightening up um, on, on their Procter and Gamble stakes. So that might be a reason why it has a sound balance. Again, PG sometimes moves counter to the market too. So when you see the market trading higher, sometimes PG trades lower, just like yesterday, markets trading higher, PG trades lower. Um, you know, we've talked about those COVID stocks doing the same thing. Uh, that's pretty much Ford 1.5 million to buy. That's big for Ford. And Ford's obviously trading up significantly here this morning. So you're seeing mostly to the buy side. Do you want to go through some more earnings here? Because we got a couple minutes left here. And we, There's we, quite a few. Com- I mean, we're in the heart yeah. of earnings season. So uh, from this morning, you got three or four Dow components in there. Merck reported, 3M reported. You had Pfizer reporting. You had, um, well, UPS, I don't know what we covered, but it was reporting. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a lot of reports to talk about. Yeah, I, uh, let's do Merck and Pfizer together. So uh, sure. Pfizer uh, out this morning. Their EPS beat 80 cents for 73 cents a share sales. 12.02 versus 11.8 billion dollars. They also gave some guidance for the year, EPS and sales guidance, both of which came in in line with expectations. So a good a good report for Pfizer. I'll get Merck here as well at the same yeah. time. Merck, uh, same story, a beat on the EPS, a beat on the sales and uh, guidance for the year in line with estimates. So uh, actually their EPS guidance was, was light. I take that back. EPS right. guidance was light and uh, sales guidance was light. So a little bit light on the guidance from Merck, but uh, in line with the earnings and Pfizer was good across the board. I own both these stocks in my long-term portfolio. I would just say the bar is set actually higher for these stocks. Any healthcare stock that's reporting, the bar is actually higher. So we talked about like a Harley Davidson bar being buried in the ground, you know, uh, and Hogg did report here this morning. It's like the only way they're, you know, an LUV is the same thing. The only way they're probably not going to go up is if there's dilution involved in in the report. If they announce something that's dilutive, LUV did do that. Hogg did not. Hogg's trading higher on a disappointing report. Uh, Going back to Merck and Pfizer, the bar is set uh, higher for these stocks. Pfizer is actually trading higher this morning. Merck is trading lower, but these stocks have performed very well for a long time. So I would say, you know, that low bar thing that I've been talking about doesn't apply to pharmaceutical companies. Can Pfizer open up that high, Dennis? I see, see 263,000 shares have traded up 89 cents at 39.22. Yeah, I think it can. I think it's 39 projected opening right now. So if yeah. we're just looking at the floor, you're in there. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, that's a lot of 16,000 to buy is the imbalance on it. So yeah, if you're, if you're buying this thing off the open, you, you want to see it like open and go straight up and hold uh 3950 at your pre-market high Merck Merck trading in the red as we speak here. Uh, let's see. The stock had a nice recovery mm. getting hit in a pre-market pre-market low, right? It, uh, 
It looks like you got a sneaky buyer here, 8162, 8182. Define sneaky buyer. You say that a lot. What do you mean by sneaky buyer? Let's do a quick two-minute education. Sneaky buyer. Uh, I'll show you a real sneaky buyer. Yeah, show me a real one. Sneaky. We like these sneaky buyers. Look at uh, look at this um, North Nordic American tanker shipping. That thing isn't sneaky. That thing is just being bought. No, look, <laughs> look, look, no, look at uh, look at September. Okay, when the market's ripping higher. Right, no one's thinking about anything bad, okay? And this thing goes down to one dollar and ninety cents. All right, well, even I think it even went lower than that. Buck sixty-six. Yeah, a buck sixty-six. And look at all those days where it traded under two dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just nice accumulation. I mean, who know what they You're, were looking they at? Bar, at I mean, you, you've got somebody just accumulating stock. Yeah, they were just like they're gonna buy everything they want under two bucks for for a month. And that was their plan, and they didn't show. They bids. did pretty well. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. But uh, what are your thoughts on these things? I mean, like, let's go back to NAT for a second, because you talked this stock, and we haven't talked the tankers, and they've been moving. We gave a list of them yesterday. They continue to run today. Like I said, that CEO interview of that uh, of NAT uh, from Friday night was a fun, one of the funniest interviews I've ever seen, probably because he had such a strong accent, but also just the stuff he was saying was, we're just bringing and making so much money right now. You just don't hear CEOs say stuff like that, um, you know, because they don't want regulators <laughs> coming and breathing down their neck. But um, I mean, the stock is, was $6 when he started talking like that's eight bucks here now. So we're up 30% since that interview on Mad Money Friday night. Um, what are your thoughts on this stuff? It has like a story chart? and it has momentum. And it has the bots. So, um, you know, if you want to, I mean, you know, if you want to step in front of it, then try and step in front of it. Uh, You know, a whole number like eight bucks. We got up to 818 today, Uh, you know, potential exit point. But, you know, how long is this going to go on in the market? You know, when is, you know, when is the glut of supply, you know, going to be, you know, relieved? So this this could go. I mean, momentum. Go for we got a, a store. Yeah, I, hard I'm to not short it. it. Yep, not short hard, it. Nope, hard to short it. That's a piece just uh, bolted to twenty nine thirteen, uh, riding off those buy imbalances here, pushing higher up forty three handles yeah. here at twenty nine twelve. So pushing it in, they want to pop those buyers off the open at the highest price possible. And, and well, and you see this, and you're you're at a case now. Okay, you know we outlined a big bullish scenario. We're going to three thousand. We go in there dead today. I don't know. I think it'd be chop. You're still going to get some pullbacks along the way, but I do think we're going to eventually get to three thousand in the next week or two. And I think if you're buying pullbacks here, I think you're going to be happy. So um, you know that can change. A headline could change all of that. And you know, obviously, we've got some Gilead news coming on their drug. But I mean, in obvious, and I do own Gilead. Full disclosure, I just mentioned it, GILD, and people Same are asking here. about it. I rebought it in the seventy-six handle. I'm up three points, and I was almost tempted, you know, because it is kind of a coin flip here on what this data is going to look like for this drug, and everybody's kind of just waiting for it. But it's not going to just impact Gilead; it's going to impact the overall market. So it's very, it's a very important data piece that people want to see. How is the drug doing? Is it helping people? Because that's what the market wants more than anything is some type of therapy. Uh, all right. Uh, I just want to mention Zoom real fast here because I mentioned this to Dennis before we started. Uh, Zoom joining the QQQ uh, goes into effect uh, as of the end of the month. So that's Thursday after the close. So we've talked about this on the show previously. How stocks can run up 
ahead of uh, reconstitutions and joining uh, indexes or getting booted out of indexes. So uh, Zoom joining a big index on Thursday afternoon. I would be watching that one today, tomorrow, and Thursday. for. If the market's right about what's going on, Dennis, shouldn't these stocks just be getting annihilated? Which Zoom ones? and Teladocs? Eventually. They- eventually. I said I'd watch Teladoc and I'd be taking profits. Yesterday, kind of, the candle went up through 200, kissed people through 200, and then kind of closed weak. I still don't like these stocks either. I think the Zoom, it might have some upward pressure because of what Spencer's saying. Index sure. effects here. Maybe you see like Thursday, you know, it could be one of those days going to go in the index and people actually sell it on those days. Sometimes the trade gets crowded to the, to the long side. I'm not doing, you know, that, that, that arbitrage with it. So I haven't looked into it deeply. Mm-hmm. But um, I just know from trading those things in the past that they have significant impacts on the price of the stock. And so it might be holding up because of that. Although we haven't seen the, you know, the, the non, the, although we did, we kind of did see it yesterday. Amazon was weak yesterday. So Amazon had a weak day. So you're starting to see some of those COVID plays show some relative weakness to the overall market. It was a pretty good day for the market. I believe Amazon closed red yesterday. Yeah, actually, at one point, I looked, um, Microsoft, Apple, uh, Amazon, Facebook, and Google were all red. But, I mean, you know, those stocks have had, you know, just some great runs. So uh, buying other stocks is definitely, definitely acceptable after the run. Some of those, I mean, how close is Microsoft to an all-time high? I mean, all these stocks, like what we talked about Shopify, it was probably, so went up there, look at the Shopify chart, S-H-O-P. It's had the huge, ridiculous run. It had the ugly candle. Then it tried to get up there to make a new high. It failed yesterday to make a new high. And, you know, yes, it's trading up a little bit here. I would not want to be long Shopify right now, not on a technical basis. I love the company. I want to rebuy my shares that I sold. I still think I'm going to get a shot in the low 500s, and I hope I do. So, uh, but with that being said, I went and went, did not make a new high yesterday and then closed relatively weak. Now you get a little pop with the overall market. Shopify and Amazon are two stocks that could roll over here today with the market going higher because this is a place where COVID money was hiding out. And now they're buying, you know, it's the dash, you know, again, for trash, the dash of the stocks that have been lagging. So your leaders could become laggards and your laggards could become leaders from the last few weeks. I'd be cautious on Amazon and I'd be cautious on Shopify here as well. All right. On that note, I want to wrap it up here. Uh, looking ahead to tomorrow's show, we'll be joined by Patrick DeHaan from GasBuddy.com. We're going to talk the oil markets with Patrick tomorrow. Uh, Joel and I will be back with you at 3.40. In the meantime, you can catch a replay of this show or a replay of any previous show on our podcast or on YouTube. Thanks to our guest, Jonathan Corpina. Thanks to everyone in our chats. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your day and be safe wherever you are. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.